0: It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A
1: 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Collins Davis, wide open. Davis, still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll,
0: he'll when he hit immediately
1: got the handoff. You
0: know <laughs> The q Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like A Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like A Jet One. And it's time for the Chronicles of Nania. We're going to break down some numbers of these draft prospects, especially on the offensive side of the ball this week. We'll start with quarterbacks. But before we do that, we should bring in the man that this show is named for. He is the resident stat geek and co founder over at jetsxfactor.com, Mr. Michael Nania, What's up, Michael?
0: I'm doing pretty good and really looking forward to getting in some of these draft numbers. I've been going pretty deep into all the different positions, a lot of different advanced stuff. And there there are a lot of really interesting truths that you get out of looking at some of these. Just some interesting context regarding the production uh, of a lot of different players, because I think pretty much every college prospect can offer you elite production. That's why they're going to the NFL. But when you really stack them up against each other and compare some of the context behind it, you can find figure out some
1: really interesting things. For instance, air yards percentage would be an interesting thing. And what's most interesting about this particular category is how low the consensus best quarterback in the draft ranks.
0: Yeah, so the thing with air yards percentage, uh, which is the percentage of a quarterback's passing yards that are gained through the air versus after the catch um, is is that it's not really a skill stat. It's more just the style of play, the style of the offense of the quarterback plays, and it's just the way that they get their yards more so than it is an indication of skill or quality. So that's the thing here. We're not saying Trevor Lawrence is bad or Justin Fields is great or anything like that uh, or that he's better than Trevor Lawrence. We're just comparing how they get their yards. Um, So with air yards percentage, what's interesting for Lawrence is that only 43% of his passing yards in 2020 came through the air. That was 139th in the nation out of 154 qualified quarterbacks. So very close to the bottom. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you've Justin Fields, almost 70% of his yards came through the air. That was fourth highest. And Zach Wilson is up there too, 62%. uh, That was 29th. So. Um, These guys are all on different ends of the spectrum. Trevor Lawrence relied on a lot of screens and dump-offs. Travis Etienne helped him a lot because he led all running backs in the country in yards after the catch. Um, Then Justin Fields on the other side is a guy who's very aggressive, throws a lot of deep balls, a lot of outside-the-numbers stuff that doesn't really produce a ton of yards after the catch. And then Wilson is sort of in that boat as well. So um, Fields and Wilson more so on the aggressive downfield side. And then Trevor Lawrence on the under other end of the spectrum relied more on um, passes over the middle that led to the yards after the catch, dump offs, screens, short stuff that really was it throws that promoted uh, gave receivers good chances to make plays with the ball.
1: One of the most important stats that you could look at with a college quarterback in terms of how they would fit in this modified Shanahan offense under Mike LaFleur is passes beyond the first down marker because the vast majority of what Kyle Shanahan likes to do in San Francisco and what you would assume LaFleur would be looking to do here with the Jets is throwing between the 11 and 20-yard marks. That's where you would get the majority of your first downs past the sticks, so to speak. And so when you look at the rankings of this and the top quarterback prospects, what you see is that the guy that the Jets are tied to the most is at the top of that pack, at least in terms of the guys who are the top quarterback prospects in the 2021 class.
0: Yeah, so this is a stat that is a pretty good indication of um, sort of aggressiveness, but also, again, just the type of scheme that you play in. But here we're looking at the percentage of players' passes that are thrown beyond the first down marker. And That can be, you know, it depends on the distance. If it's third and two and you throw a three-yard pass, that counts for this, obviously. If it's first and 10, an 11-yard pass would count, uh, and so on. Uh, And Zach Wilson leads, uh, of the top quarterbacks in the class, as the highest percentage. Almost half of his passes, 49.6% were thrown beyond the first down marker. That's 30th. Justin Fields was 71st in that category. And this is out of about 150 quarterbacks. So Justin Fields right in the middle of the pack. 45.1%, Forty-five point one percent, and Lawrence at ninety-eighth with forty-one point eight percent. And and again, this isn't to say that Wilson's better than Lawrence, Fields is better than Lawrence, that Lawrence is bad because he's low in these categories. It's just an indication of how Lawrence and Clemson play football. They were a more conservative offense in terms of the the distance of their passes and just the way that they spread the ball around. A lot of a lot of RPOs and those short short a lot of short stuff more so than an aggressive game. That's just how he played uh, and the Tigers played. Um, but Zach Wilson, like you said, is this makes him a good fit for what I think the Jets will be looking to doing, uh, looking to be doing. Um, a lot of play action and attacking that intermediate range. So um, for him to be of these top prospects, the guy who has uh, who most frequently threw beyond the first down marker definitely should have him well prepared to play in that kind of offense.
1: Michael, I'm sorry. All I heard you say was that Trevor Lawrence stinks. Everything else was like white that's noise. That's exactly
0: down. what I'm saying.
1: He's <laughs> terrible. The next category that's worth looking at because it was something that we heard a lot about in relation to Sam Darnold is time to throw. Now, we heard all the time that Sam Darnold just never had the time to throw, and how can you expect a quarterback to succeed? When he has no time to throw you charted this out along the lines of the top quarterbacks in this draft who had the most time to throw and who had the least and I was surprised that the same guy that we just joked stinks because of a arbitrary statistic that we had before was way down on this list in fact 149th of all qualified passers in division one college football Trevor Lawrence yeah, well, the thing
0: about time to throw is that it sort of goes in line with some of these other stats and that it's more of just the style of offense mm-hmm. that um, that the team decide to play. Because if you're throwing a lot of screen passes, RPO, whatever it is, then and you're just, you know, snap throw just like that, then obviously your average time to throw is going to be pretty low. And then if you're a team that likes to attack downfield a lot, obviously – your time to throw is going to be higher. So the thing about looking at a quarterback's average time to throw is that it doesn't really tell you about the offensive line quality. If it it were to work in that way, I think you'd have to compare the same plays, like how much time, um, how much, if two, like, say you take two quarterbacks and you look only at the plays in which they threw a deep ball, a 20 plus yard pass, then maybe you're comparing apples to apples. But if you're just comparing everyone's, like average time to throw over all of their passes, then it can sort of be apples to oranges because like we looked at, Trevor Lawrence is throwing a lot of short stuff. He's getting the ball out quickly. Justin Fields is standing back there all day trying to throw deep passes, so naturally he's going to average more time with the football in his hands than Lawrence is when Lawrence is, you know, snap, just get the ball out right away. Um, So this isn't really a showcase of how good the offensive line is, but more so just another way of showing uh, how they played the game. So Justin Fields took an average of 3.1 seconds um, with the football in his hands before the release in 2020. That's fourth highest in the nation. Trevor Lawrence, as you said, 149th, only 2.35 seconds. So those guys are on extreme ends of the spectrum. For Fields, that mark would have been the highest in the NFL in 2020, and it would have been the highest by a qualified quarterback since Tim Tebow in 2011. That's not to say he is. You know, We're comparing them as players, but that's just the last time someone actually held the ball that long in the NFL. So it does go to, uh, go to show that he is going to have to get used to getting the ball out a little bit quicker in the NFL. And then for Trevor Lawrence, the opposite is true. 2.35 is really low. That would have been tied for sixth lowest in the league or six quickest in 2020. But most of the quarterbacks in the NFL who have the quickest time to throw averages in the league are either young quarterbacks who aren't good yet, or veteran quarterbacks who are bad now and are game managers. We're talking about Nick Foles, Brandon Allen, Andy Dalton, and Dwayne Haskins, Mike Glennon, Alex Smith. These are some of the guys who had the fastest release times last year. Ben Roethlisberger is actually first. Um, so that's not necessarily where you want Trevor Lawrence to be as the guy who you're taking number one. So he's, on the the opposite of Fields, who's going to have to try to get the ball out quicker. Um, Lawrence is going to have to, you know, be he's going to be asked to stand in the pocket a little bit longer um, and be able to handle longer developing plays where he's pushing the ball downfield because you don't draft a quarterback number one to manage the game uh, in the mold of some of those guys I just mentioned. So he's going to have to get used to holding the ball a little bit longer and Fields is going to have to get it out faster. Uh, And then Zach Wilson, who's the only guy we should really be caring about right now because it seems like, He is going to be the Jets quarterback. He was on the upper end of the spectrum, 2.81 seconds. That was 51st in the nation. So that's about the top third. Um, And and that would put him near the top of the league in the NFL. That put him right between Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen uh, for third highest in the league uh, in 2020. Um, So he is definitely used to sort of. Uh, An NFL caliber time of holding onto the ball in the pocket on that upper end of the spectrum, um, but NFL caliber, nothing too extreme like um, Fields and Lawrence who will have a bigger adjustment in terms of how long they hold the football.
1: One thing that they're definitely going to be asked to do but not asked to rely upon completely is the ability to scramble. Because the way the league is now, you want mobile quarterbacks, guys that can get out of the move and extend plays. And some quarterbacks are better at that than others. We know Lawrence can do it. We know Wilson can do it. We know Fields can do it. We know Lance can do it. Trask and Mac Jones... Not as much. Mac Jones seems to have a good feel for the pocket and being able to take that one or two steps to avoid problems when he needs to, sort of the way that Tom Brady has all these years. Tom Brady's never going to be a guy that runs out of the pocket, but he finds ways to buy himself time. I did find it interesting that if you look at scramble frequency of the top quarterback prospects, Justin Fields stands out on his own by quite a lot.
0: Yeah, of of the top quarterbacks, Fields is really the only scrambler. Um, he scrambled, which is we're talking about rush attempts in which they drop back to pass the ball. So we're, it, any designed run is not included here. We're only talking about when the quarterback dropped back uh, dropped back to throw the ball, and then he decided to run. So Justin Fields on 11.7% of his passing dropbacks, tucked the ball and ran with it. That was 13th highest in the country. Um, and Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have really interesting numbers here because both guys were – a big part of their team's run games. Wilson had 10 rushing touchdowns this past season. Uh, Lawrence had eight, I believe Um, Lawrence averaged about 32 yards a game rushing. Uh, And then Wilson uh, was in a similar boat. Both those guys were big parts of their run games, but the majority of their production were on uh, designed runs Um, for Trevor Lawrence, only 19% of his rush attempts were scrambles. And for Zach Wilson, it was 24%. So Both of these guys made a big impact in the run game, but it was on design plays. So I think that's something that is definitely worth taking into account for the teams that draft these two guys is that they can be involved in your run game. Neither of them are Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but I think we saw from both Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence that, you know, you can ask them to, you can give them the option to keep the ball on an RPO or a read option or whatever it is, and they can make a play for you. I think Lawrence probably is more speed than Wilson whereas Wilson kind of showed some pretty good elusiveness in the open field Uh, but both guys are really successful in that way neither of them um, were aggressive running with the ball on passing plays which is also a good thing I think especially Zach Wilson I think you see a guy who and Lawrence too who when they get outside the pocket and get on the move they're focused on throwing the football which is generally what you want to see and that's doesn't mean it's a bad thing for Justin Fields. It's just his style of play. He's an amazing runner. He can get more out of those scrambles than any of these other guys can and probably almost any quarterback in the NFL, save for a few guys. So it makes sense that you would he would scramble more because you know he can get as much out of a scramble um, just running with the ball as most quarterbacks can throwing it because he's that good of an athlete and ball carrier. So um, in terms of scrambling, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, very little, but they will contribute to your run game in terms of design stuff. And Justin Fields is definitely one of the more scramble happy quarterbacks in college football, but not to an extreme extent. He does a good job of managing it.
1: And Michael, no matter who the quarterback is They're going to need somebody that can protect them Makai Becton drafted last year Number 11 overall Cornerstone of that offensive line But they need to add more And so you look at pressure rate And you look at true pass sets As two metrics that you really should consider When deciding to draft an offensive lineman In a couple of weeks And I think one thing that you should consider Is that true pass set percentage Is can tell you something, but it can't tell you everything because that was one of the knocks on Makai Becton last year is that there weren't a lot of true pass sets at Louisville, and he was pretty good in pass protection last year. So it tells you something, but it doesn't tell you everything. Let's talk about allowed pressure rate and true pass set percentage. There are some guys that really stand out here in a positive and negative way.
0: Yeah, true pass sets are really interesting because it kind of adds context to the amount of pressures allowed because again, just like we talked about the quarterbacks and how they play different styles of football. It's the same that goes with the offensive line too. Um, It's different to pass protect for Trevor Lawrence than it is for Justin Fields because Trevor Lawrence is snapping the ball and throwing it right away. So a lot of the time you don't even have to block anybody, but for Justin Fields, who's usually dropping back and, and again, it's not just fields. It's just the style, how Ohio state calls the offense. Um, but in that offense you're usually spending a lot of time engaging uh, in one-on-one battles so your job is a lot more difficult and you're naturally going to give up more pressure and that's going to make you look worse but it's more just a product of the offense that you play in so it's important to take that into account but like you said it doesn't tell you everything because mckay Becton at Louisville last year all they ever did was roll out roll out roll out bootleg 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 which isn't really NFL football at all but He came into the NFL, played a traditional professional style of play, and was very good. So it doesn't necessarily, it's not the end all all be all, but it is good context um, to look at. So in terms of pressure rate, um, really when you look at the leaderboard here, it goes pretty much hand in hand with um, how you would expect it to based on the, the reputation of some of these guys. Penny Sewell is the highest ranking guy in here. Rashawn Slater is up there. Tevin Jenkins, Christian Darasaw. So a lot of these first-round guys who tackles who you expect to go in the first round are right up there. Um, And then the interior offensive linemen, some of your best guys are Trey Smith, Landon Dickerson, Alicia Vera Tucker, who played tackle but is uh, actually played a lot better at guard in 2019 than he did at tackle this past season. Um, Aaron Banks, Ben Cleveland, Creed Humphrey – um, this is a pretty good O line class. Um, as I as I've gone through some of the different positions, there are a few of them where it it's kind the not everyone has elite production. Like um, the edge class, for example, the linebacker class. Not that those aren't good classes, but in terms of production, sometimes not everyone is elite. But here at the offensive line class, there's a very good number of players who were just consistently dominant. So this is a good offensive line class that has depths into the second and third rounds I
1: think. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Pass blocking is number 1 in today's NFL. That's what you're looking for above all else. But run blocking is important because the Jets are going to have to be able to get a running game going to take some of the pressure off of the rookie quarterback. And in order to do that well, you've got to get somebody that can run block but also can run block within the scheme that the Jets are going to be using a lot of interesting information that you have up at jetsxfactor.com about guys that fit well into both of those categories.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and before I get to the run game, I do want to touch on the true pass sets cuz I didn't really get into that. But um a few a few guys who stand out in this category. Um so two of the Notre Dame guys, Aaron Banks, Liam Eichenberg, and there are actually a couple of, of other Notre Dame oh I'm coming out too. Those guys were very high in terms of the true pass sets, so keep an eye on them because those guys really had to um, They had to spend a lot of time pass blocking in legitimate ways. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Tevin Jenkins is a guy who really stands out. Um, he put up really good pressure numbers, but uh, at Oklahoma State, he didn't have to face too many tough challenges. Only the 12th percentile among tackles in true pass percentage. But yet again, look back to Makai Becton last year. It didn't affect him. So if you have the technique, if you have the ability – you can overcome that, but at the same time, it is something worth mentioning because you know just because Macai Becton was good enough to overcome that doesn't mean every single other guy will. So something to keep in mind for Tevin Jenkins. But looking at the run game, um, even more so than the pass game, this is this class is extremely dominant. There are ten guys on this list alone, and I didn't even look at every single prospect. I mostly just looked at um, the the guys who are projected to go the first couple days, maybe early day three. Um, But on this list alone, there are 10 guys who ranked above the 90th percentile at their position in PFF's run blocking grade. Every single guy is in the top half of their position of the 15 I looked at. So uh, this is a good O-line class. There's a lot of talent here. Um, Landon Dickerson is an interesting one uh, in terms of the Jets. He he led all centers in run blocking grade in 2020 uh, at Alabama. But then to look at the other side of the coin that that we were going to talk about, the zone run percentage, which is which should be important for the Jets as they figure to run a zone heavy rushing attack. Um, Dickerson and Alabama did not run a ton of zone plays, only about half the time, which is pretty low relative to where football is at. That was only at the 23rd percentile for Dickerson. Um, then the top zone guys, the Ohio State duo, stands out. Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, over 78% of their unblocking blocking snaps were on zone plays. That was above the 90th percentile. Um, Tevin Jenkins is a fit here, 71%, 78th percentile. Um, So it, it is interesting to look at the scheme fit in terms of the zone plays. I, I think one thing to keep in mind is that every team runs a lot of zone and, and a lot of gap at concepts as well. Every team runs a little bit of both, but it's more so just what they lean towards because, like I said, um, for Alabama, they were about 50-50, and that's well below average. Then you look at Ohio State's nearly 80-20 favoring zone. So um, definitely something that's interesting to look at. And and there's still even a lot more to it than just a number as simple as this because there's wide zone, there's inside zone. There's a lot of different variations of run blocking concepts. It's not as simple as black and white gap and zone. Um, but this is a good it's, it's basic, but it's a nice starting point to kind of identify who some of the fits are. So the two Ohio State guys, Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, Tevin Jenkins at tackle, um, those are the three guys who stand out the most in terms of top prospects who have experience in a zone-heavy rushing attack.
1: The interesting thing about some of these guys is that they could start out as a guard and then shift to tackle. So they might be asked to have different responsibilities. So you sort of want to know how they would fit all of this as both a guard and a tackle if you're talking about somebody in that regard. Because Elijah Vera Tucker is an example of somebody that people have talked about as a potential long term tackle that could start right away at guard, right?
0: Yeah. And a lot of that's definitely a, a big theme with this class is going to be the tackles who may or may not convert to guard because you look at the pure interior interior class guys who actually played interior last year. And it's not great. Like even just looking back at the pass blocking numbers, um, each of the top five guys in terms of where they ranked at their position and pressure rate were tackles last year. Um, And then only one of the top seven, which was Trey Smith. Was uh, an interior lineman, so there's it's definitely tackle heavy, but a lot of these guys can convert. Vera Tucker, like you said, um, Tevin Jenkins is another one, so um, that's going to be a big theme. Can these guys make that conversion, um, from tackle to guard? And Vera Tucker is an interesting one because I, I sort of touched on it earlier, but he played guard, um, before he moved over to left tackle in 2020. In 2019, he, he played. Um, Left guard and he only gave up six pressures all season on a 1% pressure rate, which was the second lowest among all guards in the power five. So he's definitely a very, very intriguing tackle to guard convert uh, prospect.
1: Michael Nania, covering the stats, getting down and dirty with those nerdy numbers over at JetsXFactor.com, where he's also the co-founder. Thanks so much for coming on and unpacking these numbers about the top quarterbacks and offensive linemen with me. We're going to do a couple more of these heading into the draft. We'll do some wide receivers next week as we continue with the offense. In the meantime, though, I know you've got plenty of write-ups on all of this over at JetsXFactor.com, right?
0: Yeah, and you could even look at both of these breakdowns on the quarterbacks and the offensive line and look at pretty much any other guy you want, the specific numbers in every single category because, you know, I touched on a few different things here, but uh, every not every single prospect in the draft, but all the guys who might be in play for the Jets, some of the top guys, all of their numbers are on here. So uh, it's a really good way, just another way to compare these guys because there are so many different ways. Um, to delve into the draft whether it's measurables whether it's combine pro day numbers box score stats but then also advanced stats is a really good way to get a feel for how good they truly were in college and then use that to sort of project where they could go going forward so um, both o-line and quarterbacks are already up wide receivers cornerbacks linebackers even kickers i did Um, edge rushers is the latest one i did and we'll be getting into the rest of the positions as well so Definitely check all those out for plenty of extremely in-depth numbers that really add a lot of valuable context to these prospects as you evaluate them. Of course you did yeah, Kickers. So, which is the most me thing of all time, <laughs> I think. On top of that, I also wrote it and posted it on Easter. So that, I think that sums up the Michael Nania experience.
1: Yes. Nothing says Michael Nania more than writing an in-depth piece on Kickers On Easter Sunday So check out (laughs) Michael's written work That he put together On Easter Sunday On the Kickers And a bunch more Over at JetsXFactor.com And check out everything We're doing At PlayLikeAJet.com We got a lot of draft content Up there too Tons up on our youtube channel as well we got the new collaboration going on with you stadium wednesday nights live it's luke grant and clayton smarslock you can even call in we'll have more details on how that's going to evolve but really excited about that show going forward and excited about this podcast which you should give a five-star review if you haven't already it's something that's easy doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could do that for us and you haven't done it yet Really appreciate it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.